FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 259 of the podcast that goes snicked. Whoa. Are you supposed to say snicked? Oh, snicked whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We are getting further and further away from our non-existent episode 250. <laughs> oh my goodness. It will happen. I, I promise it will happen. I do not promise when. You know, here, actually here, here is my promise. Okay, we will it. put out episode 250 before we put out episode 275. We'll give ourselves lots of cushion. I'm hoping to do it well before, but I thought it would already be done, to be honest. It just hasn't really happened. It hasn't happened because... Because having have an 11-year-old and a 1-year-old is a hard life. <laughs> it's I a hard knocks life for, for us. us. It's a hard knocks life for us. It really is. Instead of tacos, we get bologna. I don't know. That went nowhere fast. Yeah. Um, And we still get tacos. Yes, we do. Taco Tuesdays. Well. Taco Tuesdays. Sometimes it's more like Taco Thursday or. We have a new taco place by our house that we need to try. Is it that. Tacos for life. Tacos for life. Yeah, we, right. need, we, we need to give it a go. Uh, so, Tacos for Life, if you want to sponsor the podcast, since I just gave you a free plug. That's uh, right. Send us some free tacos. I don't even want you to help me pay for my domain or anything. Just give me some free tacos. I will be good. You know what? If they could just, once a week, we could drive through, get Ethan some free tacos on the way to yeah. baseball practice. And I would talk about them every episode. Yes. <laughs> Totally. So if anybody works there and you hear this, well, hey, let's, let's time out. Okay. Assuming they're any good, because I've never had them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're crap tacos, I don't want that. <laughs> but, but you know, assuming that they are, are decent tacos. And you have to understand, Ethan's favorite taco place is Fuzzies and mm-hmm. Freebirds. Well, yeah, and he would say Fuzzies because Freebirds quit doing actual tacos. They only yes. do, they only do the, the burritos now. They don't do the crispy shells. Well, and we told him he ate so much <laughs> that he had to order a burrito. Oh, well, right, 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 right. Yeah. Because even when he ate a kid's meal taco, it got to the point where it was like, I cannot order you 10 tacos. <laughs> right, right. For $4 a piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yes, Three know, words. We have a little man. We do. A man in the house. He's not so little. He's taller than me. Yeah, not as tall as me yet. Yet. By the time he starts high school, he will be um, as tall or taller than me. By the time seventh grade. Possibly. It's possible. If he stays on the same rate. He grows an average of four inches a year. Right. But, you know, people don't listen to this podcast to see a chart of his growth. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> he's our oldest. They should yeah. be just as enthralled. Hey, he's been on the show before. People That's love right. him. People love it. In fact, if he's around, well, 
if he's around. Well, he'll be around. That wasn't supposed to be macabre. Um, no, I'm just thinking about how he's oh has my to gosh. grow out okay. for a dance. And so, <laughs> oh, right, right. He may <laughs> run off to Mexico. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I heard one of the worst uh, puns ever the other day at baseball practice. Oh, lay it on me. So, so two of the unnamed baseball dads, I, I swear they were doing like their own airplane routine behind me. <laughs> like just bad pun after bad pun just for a solid 30 minutes. Like were they trying? I was so glad when you called me because I could walk around <laughs> while I was talking on the phone. I was like, all right, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> You're like, oh, no yeah. wonder you were so excited to talk to me. Right. Yeah, because I'm like, not usually. Hey. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just got glared at. <laughs> she hid it behind a smile, but the glare was there. Always. Um. <laughs> anyway, back to the terrible pun. They're talking about Halloween and vegetables somehow. And oh, no. One of them actually made the, the pun corn on the macabre. <laughs> I poop you guys not. <laughs> it was said out loud. <laughs> and the other person laughed at it. I mean, they were they were in sync. It's a knee slapper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. What, what was it again? Corn Corn on the macabre. <laughs> yeah, spooky spooky vegetables. <laughs> You wish you were there. Oh <laughs> <laughs> You're jealous of me. I am. I was mortified. I would have turned around and been like, what the f- Pretty, pretty epic. Man, when I take Ethan to baseball, I get the like weird baseball moms who sit there and go, what are they doing now? Why are they making them run? I don't understand it. My son should be pitcher. No, your son should totally be catcher. No, he doesn't like to be catcher. because he doesn't like mom sound like that. <laughs> My goodness. The <laughs> one time I took him to baseball practice, I don't know where you were. Were you at band practice? Probably. And I had Ollie in the stroller, and I was pushing him like in circles around the stands. And I have to admit, these moms were not on our team. These were uh, moms on the other team yeah, that we so were sharing the field. So because with. Frisco has so many kids in sports, um, or like Sports Central, we and I'm sure other cities have the same thing. So I'm sure this is not unique, and especially not unique to other North Texas <laughs> suburbs. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah, so many kids playing in so many teams and so few fields that for practice times during the week, they you, two teams get a field at the same time. It's right. kind of up to the teams to determine how they're going to share the field. Right. And so, yeah, it's very possible that, you know, you're not just sitting with your parents, you're sitting with some other random team's parents, too. So I was sitting with the other random team's moms. <laughs> well, good. And Let's clarify were, that in case any of our teammates was. Yeah, no, this was not any of the moms on our team. <laughs> it was the other team moms, and I've never heard so much Dallasite. <laughs> well, I, you know what I told you. What? I've said this on more than one occasion. Uh, well, you say a lot of things on more than oh, one yes. occasion. 
And one of the reasons we worked is because you weren't a Dallas native. You oh, yeah. You, you weren't an actual that. Dallas woman. No. I have issues with Dallas women, at least stereotypical Dallas women. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? At least North Dallas women. <laughs> Maybe we'll get more specific. Um, but, yeah. Ugh, Plano. Yeah, rampant materialism at its finest. There's a reason I try to escape to Austin a few times a year. It's funny. So, side note that also attaches to this. We're on... We we're on like a fourth side note away from the main <laughs> mainstream, but go ahead. So our church that we're involved in, our pastor sent us like these are your demographics, and I was reading through them because I keep telling him that you know kids are a focus in in a big part of the city, and so we should focus on kids stuff. And so I was trying to like back up what I was trying to say with these demographic numbers, and it, it's like a fifty page PDF. So I was kind of scrolling through it and I got so, there was part of me that got really excited because we're a very diverse city. We're not, we're only like 50% white and the other 50%. How about Frisco in general? Frisco in general. Yes. Yeah. So, but 50% were made up of other ethnicities. So I was really excited that we were that sort of. Not quite a good mix, but we're getting there. Uh, Yeah. That's still pretty high for. Texas, but anyway. Well, so then it goes on. It says poverty level below average. <laughs> I was like, and then the very next line was um, financial something or other, which basically means wealth, like how above average. And right. I just went. Ugh. Yeah, well, I mean, people should not be ashamed of what they do or don't make. But yeah, the. Uh, there was a time, thankfully, I think the time we've has moved past us, but there was a time when Frisco was a kind of white flight area. I just, um, I don't like the elitist mentality. Right. No, it's hard. It's hard. Um, especially sometimes when your kid is involved in stuff. Some, most parents are fine, but every now and then you get the, those, the couple that can be very challenging to deal with if you have a, decent compassionate worldview like we tend to have or try to have anyway no i'm just talking about listening to moms go <laughs> all right but i think that all ties together that that entitlement but anyway yeah, but when I they're don't going, want... i'm gonna hand down the beamer so i can get <laughs> a maserati right because right. the beamer so yesterday yeah sometimes sometimes i feel like the fresh prince of bel-air in the <laughs> You and me both, baby. But anyway. When I moved down here, we were a dirt road. That's right. Yeah, no, the city has changed a lot. It has. And I think it started to change back towards normalcy again. I hope so. So, anyway. Enough about city politics for a relatively small North Texas suburb. sure all of our listeners just went off. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sure Georgie is still listening. And that takes us back to our main thread. Oh. If Ethan is around when I record with Georgie and Dan, he read the last issue of Iceman, so I'm going to have him come on with the guys as well. Oh, nice. So, he will like so if he's that. not at baseball game or practice or whatever. Then or we're not flinging the whip, making right. him practice piano and tuba. <laughs> right. Yes, we are slave drivers. Musical slave drivers. That's right. <coughs> we want him to be well-rounded. Right. So anyway, welcome to the podcast that goes next. 
I'm your host, Jason Venable, with Denise Venable. <laughs> Two hours later. <laughs> and we're going to talk about some Wolverine comics. Yes, we are. Specifically the kickoff of Orphans of X, which I think is a great title. Oh, haha, I didn't even read the title. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, so, uh, so you ready to talk? Are you ready to talk some comics? Let me think about it. Uh, the sooner we do, the sooner we go to bed. <gasps> all right, let's do it. <laughs> all right, so we're going to start with all new Wolverine number 25, the milestone issue with which kicks off her legacy storyline. Um, this is, like I said, Orphans of X Part 1, written by Tom Taylor. Art by Juan Cabal. Colors by Nolan Woodard. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by the Dodsons. It's a pretty nice cover. It's a very faded color tone. And the fact that the background is all white. And they're on some like, it kind of looks like they're giants. And they look like they're standing on top of like a gray mountain range. And the uh, titular they would be Wolverine, of course, and Dawkins, who's in his... Old school Wolverine pants, but no shirts. You can see his tats. Um, what do you think of this cover? Laura is without jacket, so she's just in her bodysuit with no sleeves, but rocking the gloves. And then she got a farmer tan. <laughs> a little bit, kind of. Yeah, it's distracting. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I sat down to read it, I like was looking at the cover and I was like, "It's nice. I like the way dark Dawkins is." Laura's got a farmer's tan. When did that happen? Right. Yeah. Mm. Then it just threw me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> overall, I think it's a good cover. Um, I'm not a fan of Dawkins' leggings here. Um, kind of a New 52 style legging with the diamond kneecaps. Um, oh, and I felt and I like kinda it matched hers because she's got those points. Yeah, the kind of angles on her costume. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <coughs> I kind of prefer Dokken now. I know there was a time where he served a role as kind of the dark Wolverine, right? I kind of prefer him now and just being street clothes. Um, and, and in the issue, he is. But, you know, put him that way on the cover, too. Let him just kind of do his thing. And in fact, uh, you know Dan, Dan tweeted at us and talked about how much he loved Dokken's wardrobe in this issue. I was about to say, had he been on the cover, if he was wearing what he was wearing in the bar, right. I would have been okay with it. Yeah, or even his jeans and no shirt. So he can still show off his tats and his hot bod, but, you know, doesn't need to wear Wolverine trunks. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, we kick off a story that's going to involve our two characters. Um, and... So we start off in Japan a lifetime ago with the Miramasa blade, which is, of course has been, you know, a blade that's gone throughout Wolverine lore. Um, you know, Wolverine made it to kill some enemies, and it's also supposedly one of the only weapons that can kill Wolverine. Oh, no. Well, you know, you, uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you complained about one of the preview covers with a sword cutting through Laura's claws. Yes. That, that will be this sword. Um, <sighs> but 
a new thing by Tom Taylor added to the lore is apparently Mr. Mirumasa also made a shield to go with the sword but did not give it to Logan and said, oh, he'll use the sword now for revenge when it's time to protect, he'll need the shield. But, you know, Wolverine probably never came back for it. Nope. But, you know, rule of writing, that will show back up in the story at some point. Well, if they told us to it now, it means it will. Yeah. Yep, yep. So anyway, that's kind of the background on the the shield and the sword. And then we go into a bar in the middle of nowhere. And what, what happens there? So Dawkins waiting for a friend. I love his eye roll. <laughs> Water. Uh, guy comes up. Hey, you're that guy. That guy that like saved all those people on Roosevelt Island. Let me buy you a drink. And he's like, nope. I'm here waiting for a friend. Don't need new ones. And he's like, oh, come on. Whiskey. So the barkeep pours two glasses of whiskey. Guy's like, drink up as he's wiping his mouth because, you know, his beard was saving it for later. (laughs) That's what beards do. That's why we have them. Dawkin looks at his drink and goes, so what's in this? And he's like, whiskey. (laughs) He's like, yeah, what else? He's like, whiskey. (laughs) He's like, I smell your fear and everybody else's. And then all of a sudden, someone goes, Mutie! Yep. And Dawkins crushes I love that. How he just crushes the glass in his hand. Yeah, like, all right, I'm going to get rid of this. Uh, flips the guy over his shoulder. He goes, this is the truth, so let's take care of it. Then some guy with a um, mullet-proof T-shirt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't even see that. I That's cracked funny. up laughing. Anyway, Dawkins takes him out, kicks him in the face. His mullet was not mullet-proof. <laughs> It wasn't kick-proof anyway, yeah. Nope. Then this woman comes. She's got a net, electric net gun. And Dawkins like, who the hell gave you a net gun? (laughs) Right. And she's like, you don't know who we are, but we know who you are. And they put on their masks. (laughs) Right, because you got to get a uniform. (laughs) Right. We're the orphans (laughs) of X. Yeah. Then a plane comes in. Boom. Blows up, I'm assuming, the entire bar. It looks that way, yeah. Um, and, of course, we've seen these Orphans of X characters in a random panel here and there in the last couple of story arcs as they've been following our characters along. So we knew something was coming. And I guess we'll find out more. I'm going to assume, and this is not, I don't mean this to sound negative, because I'm, I'm loving Tom Taylor's writing. I'm sure he'll do something interesting with it. But I'm assume this is a story that we've seen before, where this is kind of the survivors club, like they've had right. loved ones killed by mutants. Um, I'm gonna guess based on their selection of targets, they've had loved ones specifically killed by Wolverine and or Wolverine type characters, right? And not just this seems more specific than just an anti mutant thing. I mean, I know they obviously are anti mutant when they call them muni scum, right? But you know, just knowing what we know about the story, even just in this issue and leading up to it, it seems like they're targeting, like, Wolverine and Dawkins and maybe Old Man Logan eventually. Um, you know, so it seems a very kind of specific net they're casting. Stop putting a bug on me. I'm not trying to. <laughs> and I just got to say, uh, in this ad, the drawing of Moon Knight, which I'm going to guess is by the Jason Burroughs guy, looks awesome. But anyway, 
Um, so then we go back to Roosevelt Island and Laura's new apartment that she got given. That she didn't want, but Gabby accepted it for her because Gabby knew Laura wouldn't accept it. Yep. And we see all our Wolverine accoutrements. We have Jonathan and the Wooden Pelican. Yep. And Gabby wants a new name. Yeah. Gabby doesn't strike the fear into the her enemies. <laughs> she wants something badass like Wolverine. Right. And Wolverine's like, no, it's okay. And she's like, you are a teen assassin. Like, shut up. Shut the front door. <laughs> then Laura's phone goes off and she's like, uh-oh, this can't be good. Which, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel like to this week with work when the phone goes oh off. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Every time it rings, I'm like, ooh. And the worst part is, so my, my Apple Watch, Apple, you can sponsor us as well, uh, <laughs> goes off. That's probably a tougher sale. Tacos for Life might actually do it. Anyway, it goes off like two seconds before my phone goes off. So when it starts to vibrate, I'm like, no, no, I don't want it to come. <laughs> <laughs> then my phone lights up, my computer goes off, and I'm like, no, leave me alone. That's kind of how I feel like she is right now. Right. So I'm going to ask you a question. Because in okay. this next scene, Laura answers, Wolverine answers the call. Um, and her and Gabby show up at the scene of a crime. Uh-huh. Um, and hanging on a hook, or no, I guess just a rope. That that hook is his claw, not a hook. Um, is Dawkins' arm? Yes. Okay, so remember, you already had his arm cut off once, and it took a long time to grow back. Uh huh. Do you think this is that arm, or do you think these orphans of X people, after they blew up the bar, went and found his body and pulled off another arm? Like, is he going to grow his arm again? Yeah. Because that would suck. In fact, <laughs> my first thought was, oh, this is how they're fixing the fact that he had his arm when he helped all those people. <laughs> well, no. And then we already talked about that in the uh, in the aforementioned Roosevelt Island story. He was like, yeah, it took a long time. Yeah. But I think somebody was like, no, I like it with one arm. So oh. they're like, okay. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. But, but what I love about this arm is, so a plane dropped what I'm assuming is a fairly large plane. Missile. Well, that's why I'm wondering if maybe this is the arm that got cut off with the sword, because it's kind of a clean cut. Nah, I think we're supposed to assume that this came from him. Okay. Now. Either way, I mean, regardless, is Dawkins' arm. Because the only reason note. why I say that is because his fingernails are painted, and in the bar scene, well, they're, always they're painted. painted. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's true. You are right about that. But are they just they always black? Usually, yeah. You know, he's okay. kind of goth. Okay. He's an emo Wolverine. Okay. <laughs> he does have that weird claw that I would cut myself on that comes out from the... The underside of the yes. wrist? Yes. Yeah. I would... I could just see it. It's like a paper cut. Ow! Anyway. Right. But, uh, so Dawkins' arm is hanging from the ceiling and stabbed to that little pointy inner claw is a piece of paper that has the Orphans of X symbol on them. The but logo. nothing else. Yeah. Just that. And Laura sniffs it and her eyes get real big and she's remembering something. And she's remembering when she was, I'm assuming, a child and mm -hmm. she was strapped in and they were doing experiments it's a on her. Great page. Yeah. And Gabby's like, uh, hello. Because it goes red at first. 
I thought she was having a berserker moment. I yeah, I thought there was a trigger sent on the paper. Yeah, and she was and fighting was to like her stay going in control. And we were gonna see did that whole thing where they talked about curing her, is that really gonna work or not? Right. And it could still be, maybe, but it also gives her a flashback to a certain location. Right. The facility, as you will. Um yeah, this full page spread of like just a black square with Gabby saying Laura and her pupils going super dilated. Um, just it's a really, really cool page. It's all in red and yellow and orange. Um, looks great. And Gabby's like, uh, you kind of spaced out there for a minute. And Laura's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I'll, and she tells the cop, I'll talk to you later. Right. They go back to the apartment. Laura checks in on Gabby, and she's like, Jonathan, shh. Gabby's not going to be happy when I get up, so you need to look after her. Right. So she's leaving the teenage girl under the watch of an animal. (laughs) I think the the point of the story is that she knows Gabby wants to tag along on the mission, and she's not going to let her. And so Gabby's going to wake up and be mad that she got left behind. But then, you know, the good thing about having a millionaire boyfriend, um, Warren. I thought he was the millionaire boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. I always kind of thought of him as the down-to-earth. Well, he still has the Worthington fortune. And has and two helicopters. Yes, two helicopters, and they fly one of them. Um, <laughs> and so they come to this, he flies Wolverine to this location. And when you see immediately, this is a place, this is a facility, and outside the facility... Where uh, where she killed her mom. When they made her with a trigger scent kill, kill her mother figure. Um, I got to say, so she kind of digs through this snow drift um, at the facility. This panel of her ripping the door open is a very stylized panel, but one of my favorites of the book. Uh, there's this white light kind of behind her. We see her in shadow with like a golden silhouette. Just a really, really amazing page. Um, a great panel. And kind of as she walks through the building, we have flashbacks of different scenes that happened. Um, little little vignettes from her, her different storylines. Um, you know, kind of the X-23 solo miniseries um, with her doing different assassinations. And one of her walking down the hall and like all the scenes almost like video video monitors on the floor it's a great looking page um there's one where she's at some old windows and she sees old scenes it's just really really fantastic yeah and gives like you know this is the legacy idea um maybe hopefully getting through new readers this gives a lot of good background on laura yes i agree did you feel like you understood? I know we've kind of talked about her past, but did kind of seeing some of it visually help you kind of connect to the character better? Or did you already feel like it, you kind of had a grasp on it? Well, okay, this sounds really bad, but after seeing the Logan movie, which I know the comic universe and the movie universe are not the same, seeing that helped kind of give a background because then as the comic book would talk about stuff I'd kind of like fill in the pieces with my movie knowledge (laughs) right and it was so I kind of have a a backbone to what's going on but this did help like 
she doesn't want to be here. She was born from this. She all she remembers is death, dismemberment, and just di- dying. I mean, everything like her life fell apart in this place, and the fact that it looks run down, it's drawn run down. It just it kind of helps pull everything together. Yeah, definitely. So she's under the assumption that Dawkins here, and she sees a figure in a tube, and she cuts it open, but who is there? <gasps> it's Mommy. Yeah, Sarah Kinney. Um, either resurrected or cloned, or we'll find I out. I have no idea. They leave us hanging there. Um, yeah, man, good stuff. I will say, that was a nice little twist at the end. Yeah, definitely. Um... So also in the back here, we have our little legacy story, our four pages. This is um, by Robbie Thompson, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Andrew Hennessy, colors by Dan Brown, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And it just kind of gives another more brief recap of Laura's history um, and kind of her trials and tribulations. Um, I mean, it's fine. What are they trying to show here? I think they're showing because so Laura's not the, one of the big differences between her and Logan is she has adamantium claws, but her whole skeleton is not adamantium. Like Wolverine and the we- Logan and the Weapon X program, they coated his whole skeleton. For her, they just coated the claws. I don't know why they're pulled out though. That is a good question. Well. At first, I thought it was a birthing photo because there she is pregnant, but then she's holding the baby here. So I wasn't hundred percent sure what the, are they trying to put the claws in. But she was born with them as Wolverine, excuse me, as Logan's clone, or at least it was part of her mutation, right? Um, I don't think the claws are artificial for her. Well, according to the caption sitting on top of it, it says that this is where she was trained to be a killer. Right. So maybe this was her trait. Like they would rip her claws out knowing they would grow Ouch. back so that she could. That's a, that's a lot of waste of adamantium, though. Well, no, but it would teach her how to feel pain and tolerate <coughs> it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird panel. I didn't really think twice about it, but yeah, very, very odd. Very strange. But yeah, again, focusing on her relationship with Sarah and then the unfortunate circumstances of having to kill her and how that kind of shaped her life. I do think this panel of her kind of jumping over the Wolverine logo is pretty great looking. Yeah. Right? So what do you think of the art in this book? I actually, okay, you're probably, I wasn't a fan. I, I... Didn't like the way some of the faces were drawn. I felt like they were kind of... That was my sticking point. I don't want to say sloppy, but almost like they were unfinished. Okay. And it may just be that artist's style of drawing people, but... And I I got the feeling that he was trying to draw Laura of Asian descent. I felt that way for Dawkins. I don't know if I felt... And, of course, Dawkins is half... Well, like right here, um, where is it? 
Huh, maybe. Yeah. Could just be kind of his style. I didn't like any uh, of Gabby's faces. It is different. I don't know but if I don't like it, but I, it is different. I did sure. like Gabby's outfit when she got dressed up because Laura's costume has the red eyes, so Gabby has like the red goggles. Right. So I did love that. Yeah. Um, Right. But I just, I don't know. I, the art to me just didn't, the story, if it was not as strong as it was, I'd be very upset with this book. Oh, right. Well, fair enough. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. I know that Tom Taylor has been hyping the heck out of Juan Cabal for months now, really, um, saying, oh, we got we got big things coming. Wait till you see this book. Wait till you see this okay. art. Before you s- did the guy who draw this happen to work on Batman? Not, at that, all? not that I'm aware of. Because there were times no where major I, work anywhere. I felt like Laura looked like Batman. I'm actually completely unfamiliar with Mr. Cabal. Okay. Um, I don't. I'm, I know he's probably worked before, but I don't think I've ever read his art before. Um, and I agree. It took me some getting used to with some of the facial stuff, but. I thought there was a lot of other stuff to the art that looked really great. Um, you know, the first couple of pages looked fantastic. Um, you know, the clothing, like all the outfits, like in the bar, looked really good. Only um, docking can get away with a man bun. <laughs> a mohawk man bun at that. Um, but like the, the, when he focuses on the eyes, like when Laura's sniffing the paper, I thought that looked great. And we talked about the page with her kind of flashback. Yeah, but like this page where her face is in shadow and she just has the red eyes. Right. Yeah, I, I can see that. It felt like Batman. And then there was another panel that it just felt like Batman. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, a similar shaped cow. But I thought the page layouts. Like um, this to me. Put a cape on it and it's <laughs> Batman. All right, just talking about the one where, where uh, Wolverine slices through the actual test tube. Um, and to be honest, I realize that's going to be my biggest issue with Laura's new black costume. <laughs> right. Is that... Especially when people draw with more of the closed-in fins. Right. Uh, it's going to kind of have those bad ears, too. I think they just it's going to be kind of an involuntary comparison. But... Overall, I like the art a lot. I thought it was very dynamic. Uh, I've sung his praises before. Nolan Woodard knocked the colors out of the park on this book. I the colors were nice. I thought the colors were super great. Um, you know, he's done a lot of good work before anyway, and I've 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 sang his praises before. But I thought I I thought the book overall, some weird faces aside, a very great looking book. So I obviously liked it a little bit more than. Okay, so what are you going to grade it? Well, what do you think of the story? Oh, I like the story. I love the twist at the end. In fact, I thought normally I'm the one that goes, "Mm, something's going to happen. They want us to follow down this rabbit hole so they can change it. And I got lured in to it was going to be docking. I went down the rabbit hole. (laughs) So when it wasn't, I was like, oh. Right. Speaking of which, and Georgie will appreciate this and I won't. I won't spoil too much, but I bit hard on the false carrot in the new Blade Runner movie. 
And so the twist at the end really got me because I was almost even like disappointing. Like, oh man, I already figured this out. And like the whole movie, and that was that was the only thing that I could even negatively. I loved that movie. Thought it looked fantastic. And now I'm curious because I usually can figure stuff out. So we need to, we need to watch the old one and then we'll okay. go watch the new one. All right. Because Denise needs to be be cured of her not seeing Blade Runneritis. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, this is fine. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I thought the twist was nice. I thought the story was a really good balance of kind of an introduction to Laura, but also moving the story along to the new chapter. You know, that was a really nice balance because you had the beginning with Dawkins. And you have her looking for Dawkins, and then, you know, the twist with her mom. And then kind of sprinkled throughout kind of these kind of flashbacks and, and filling in who Laura is, but without it feeling like over-exposition-y. So I thought it was a really, really good balance by Taylor of telling a story that was looking back and looking forward at the same time. So, okay. so I'm going to give All New Wolverine number 25 five out of six claws. If the Uh-oh. art had just been a little bit better, <laughs> I'm going to give it four out of six. But honestly, okay. the story should get a higher rank. Just if you can, you know, squint your eyes and only read the speech bubbles <laughs> <laughs> and look at the colors. But yeah, that's but the only reason why I got a four is because the faces just threw me off. Oh, fair enough. It, it was my only kind of hiccup with the book is... And even, but even though the second read it didn't bother me, me as much, so we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Can I? Can I give the summary of this one? Of Old Man Logan number twenty nine. Sure. Yeah. Next up is Old Man Logan number twenty nine. Um, this is um, Days of Anger Part Five. Oh my gosh! All right. Uh, written by Ed Brisson or Brisson? Brisson? I don't know. Uh, art by Mike Diodato Jr. Colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And cover is by Diodato and Martin. On the cover, we have um, Maestro Hulk holding a hologram of the world and a bunch of mushroom clouds on it. And then lying at his feet are Old Man Logan and Young Man Hawkeye. Now, you make that distinction because apparently there's an Old Man Hawkeye book coming out. Okay. They'll probably, I don't know. I'm sure Old Man Logan will be in it. I don't know if I'll buy it, even for the podcast. But um, we'll see. Um, loving current Hawkeye, by the way. But I don't know if I really care about Old Man Hawkeye. Anyway, anyway neither here nor there. You ready to give a summary for this book? Yes. What is it? The book needs to go away. Well, yeah, it kind of does. Um, no, so- really, the whole the whole thing is they realize that What's the guy's name? Miss Maestro. Maestro. That Maestro is Bruce Banner from some other time yeah, place which we or whatever. And he catches up to Wolverine and the nukes that all the other Hulks were running around with. They disarmed him. They put foam, which is supposed to encase the Hulks so they can't go anywhere. Right. And Wolverine and Hawkeye are battling out. What's his face? It's so in- uninteresting. Can you remember the guy's name? Maestro. Maestro. Uh-huh. And they just keep fighting. And then one of the kids who follows him around is like, don't move or I'll break open this nuke and blow everybody up. That's mm-hmm. the whole book. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> so there are some Hulk kids, and uh, the way they disarmed the missiles is, remember, they were stolen from an old Department H base, and so Puck still had some old codes for his relationship with Alpha Flight, and was able to override Mastro's programming and use the fail-safes to where the missiles just kind of uh, let out this um, material. <laughs> Foamy material that it does. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of how they save the day. Um, yeah. Um, basically, the missiles <laughs> ejaculate all over the hulks. It's gross. <laughs> it is gross. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he's glaring at me again. And I know some of our listeners are also glaring. Some of them are. Some of them are turning us off. Oh, they've made it this far. They're not going to quit now. <laughs> um, That's what you think. Anyway, yeah, the story is. First of all, part five. Come on, people. It's not a five-part story. Um, and it's not even done. I was really surprised to see To Be Continued. When it said To Be Continued, I was like, no. Oh, wait, uh-uh. no. It says To Be Concluded. So there's one more chapter, a sixth chapter. No. No. Um, so art was good. No. I know. I know. But Frank Martin's colors, again, so, so, so okay. pretty. So pretty. The, the, let me tell you my biggest issue with this book. Okay. <coughs> All, excuse my French, these damn, like, panels. Okay, so in the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. You get these nice, thick borders. Okay? So your eye can visually follow what's going on because everything's so brown. Okay? Still, nice, thick borders. I didn't think the first pages had any borders at all. The the lines between panels, like there oh. and there. I didn't even realize. Okay, yeah. Okay, you have there right. and there. Okay, then nice thick lines <laughs> around all the panels. Lots of big white space borders. Yeah. yeah, we're fine. I even like when they overlay panels on top of like full spread photos. Well, Diodato okay. has a very specific panel thing he does. Okay, then he gets into this weird stuff. Where yeah, that's his style. Right. Okay. I get that for one or two. But then, that didn't bother me. That didn't bother me. <laughs> page by page, folks. Okay. This bothered me because I was like, wait, who's fighting who? And uh, is that his hand or his arrow? Or is that the arm of somebody else? And well, what is that? Is that someone else's? What is she doing here? Is she throwing him? Are they tackling her? Like, is are her legs going in four different directions? Wait, who's he punching? I don't know. I can't tell because there's a line going through his head. Yeah. <laughs> there was another one where I was like, wait, is that is that the arrow or is that Logan's face? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. All right. It drove me crazy. I just wanted to go, honestly... If you had just said, hey, do you want to read this? And I opened it up, I would have been done with it. I wouldn't even finish. Actually, I would have skimmed through the book and gone, oh, damn, it's not over. (laughs) Right. I'm sorry. This book is all. Well, you know, the thing is, we have regular Logan back now. 
Old Man Logan is, is 100% redundant. So Maestro just needs to kill him so that he can't come back. He can't mess anything up, screw up the time continuum, and we'd be done with it. Yeah, I mean, I, but there's at least one more one more whole story arc after this with the Scarlet Samurai or whatever it is. Um, no. But you got to think at some point this book gets canned. Or or maybe the whole legacy thing was just... Let me pronounce some of my syllables. Maybe the whole legacy thing was just a tease. I don't know, but I don't think so. Or maybe they're just going to keep old man... Like, old we man cannot Logan have has to run out before new Logan can... Maybe, yeah. I mean, we don't... I haven't... There haven't been any can announcements... Mad Men thing where just the old man Logan be. drops off the face of the planet... And you come back to another season and go, where'd that character go? <laughs> <laughs> right. And nobody talks about it. Right. It never gets brought up. Maybe so. Like uh, the art director from the, what, first or second season? Right. Because here's what I think should happen. I think we talked about this when we talked about Legacy. But um, only Wolverine uh, with Laura and crew should stay the way it is. Yes. And regular Logan should have his series just called Logan, and that should replace Old Man Logan. I agree. So, Marvel, that's that's how you do it. This is, we've discussed it. We've decided it. And you we're just in the roll podcast that goes snick dag gummit, so our opinion matters most. That's right. We know. <laughs> Self-appointed. We know our poop. <laughs> Come on. All right, well, what are you going to give Old Man Logan number 29? Because it needs to die, it's getting one claw. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it three because I love the art. But oh, man. I thought the story was kind of boring. Oh. So three out of six claws for me, one out of six for you. Boring doesn't even cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Honestly, um, unless you, if you've been on the fence about this book, just don't even buy it. Just, just take yeah. my word no, for and it. And a lot of people are loving this book. What? Oh, yeah. Are they sniffing uh, crack before they read it? <laughs> sniffing crack? I don't think you sniff crack. Yeah, you do. You can do a line of cocaine. You, sn- you can snort oh, it. Oh, cocaine. I'm sorry. You, yeah. But I don't think you just sniff it like, <laughs> oh, that smells weird. Oh, I'm high. <laughs> it's for those that, what is it? They're not, they're social. <laughs> I, d- I didn't inhale. I just sniffed. I didn't snort. I just sniffed. I'm a social taker. <laughs> I don't snort. I sniff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that's going to do it for our main Wolverine books. Um, I have a little surprise Sabretooth appearance coming up. So. I thought you had a surprise for me. Oh. Uh, maybe. Our anniversary is coming up. It is. I'm going to make you watch <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine Origins. <laughs> Happy anniversary to us. Yay. 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 All right. I'll well, fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, say goodbye to the nice folks. Good night. Good, good, good night. Do that. Good, good night. night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Everybody, and, um, Archie. So long. Right. Farewell. But don't leave. There's more to the episode. I'm not on it, am I? No. Awesome. <laughs> I can go to bed. Actually, if you want to see see behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz, um, it's already been recorded. So. Oh. <laughs> Just going to end it on the end here, and away we go. <gasps> in five, four, four three, three, two, two.
one. You don't say the one. Oh, I'm sorry. You let it hang. You do a hand sign. Works really good on podcasts. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That would be why I said the one. (laughs) Right. You didn't give me a hand sign. She was just pointing at you. All right. Well, (laughs) that's that. (laughs) Coming up, Sabretooth. Woohoo! But wait, there's more. That's right. Sabretooth is an Iron Fist number 73. The uh, legacy renumbering of Iron Fist as he jumps back into 73. This is called Sabretooth Round 2 Part 1 right there on the cover. Um, This is written by Ed Brisson. Ed Brisson. I really should figure that out. I think he's going to be a staple on the podcast for a while. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, art by Mike Perkins. Colors by Andy Troy. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Jeff Decal does the cover. And um, it doesn't say who does kind of the title page, but I believe that's some Mike Perkins art. It's pretty great looking. Uh, It's got some halftone color. It's pretty fantastic. Um, Great, great, great title page. Looks looks great. Um, Anyway... So Sabretooth shows up, which is pretty uh, appropriate for the legacy renumbering of Iron Fist. Of course, so it's not only a nod, you know, to Iron Fist legacy, but also to Sabretooth legacy, because of course, if you remember from our flashback episodes when we covered this um, a long time ago, feels like. Um, anyway, Sabretooth debuted in Iron Fist number fifteen, and um. His next handful of appearances were all in uh, Power Man and Iron Fist as well. So, you know, a lot of early Sabretooth has to do with Iron Fist. So, pulling him in for kind of the first legacy story, air quotes, um, it's a pretty good nod to both characters' history. Um, so, so that's cool. Uh, the cover by Decal is um, kind of a steely, reserved, determined face of Iron Fist um, just inches away. <laughs> Their noses are about to Eskimo kiss. Um, can you say that? I don't know if you can say that anymore. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but Their noses are about to, to rub up on each other and the reserved determined Iron Fist versus the giant out of control feral head of Sabretooth with a spit swinging out of his fangs and a little bit of drool in his white eyes that he has. Sometimes they're white, sometimes they're black. This time they're white. Um, anyway, it's a pretty pretty good cover. Um, my feeling overall in this book is I kind of want to see what kind of covers Perkins can draw, but this one is by Decal is pretty good. So I like it. Sets a nice little tone on kind of their conflict together. So a little bit of backstory if you haven't been reading this book. Um, Iron Fist just got back, or is on his way back to New York from, and man, we're just going to give it a go here, uh, Lushi, where he uh, met some refugees from Kunlun who were trying to basically go back and take over. And they had kind of this, yeah, I'm still trying, to, if it was legit or kind of a, a staged 
kind of kung fu tournament battle royale that they invited Iron Fist to represent Kunlun. And, you know, if he lost, then they were going to go take it over. But he won, had some help, right? You know, but also was double-crossed by some treachery. Um, anyway, he won and is on his way back. And the, the people of Lu Xi uh, imprisoned one of their kung fu masters, uh, Chosen. The Chosen? <laughs> um, anyway, he's kind of in jail uh, at Yaozu Prison, it says. Because they don't really like what he did, kind of his underhanded dealings. Uh, they wanted to try to, to go back to Kunlun with honor. Uh, and he didn't want to, I guess. So anyway, um, I really love the names of all kind of the masters of the houses of, of Lushi. Um, but we have uh, this guy, what's this one called? The strong-armed goat, right? No, sorry. Long-armed bull. And then... Um, What's this other guy's name? I need a new little chart. Now I'm trying to find it in the words and it's hard. <laughs> um, oh, Eel of Blessed Waters, which is a great name. He kind of has electric powers. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, anyway, they come to break Cho Shin out. Cho Shin feels betrayed by Long Arm Bull, so he, he defeats him and sucks his chi. Uh, it's not as dirty as it sounds. Uh, it's kind of just what they do. They steal each other's chi. And he's going to head to New York to find Danny Rand. And we see Danny showing back up in New York. Goes to his apartment where he has the dragon. <laughs> and in a very Jurassic Park scene, he uh, feeds the dragon a whole cow. Um, it's interesting. But he sees that there's a hole in the window. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And someone stole some stuff. And he finds some some pictures. And we don't see what it is. But that night, he shows up at a bar. And he buys a drink. He wants to buy a bottle of scotch. A whole bottle. Um, and we see a stranger at the bar. And he slaps a picture down. Says he needs some help. That stranger is Sabretooth. And Sabretooth's like, um, no, we're not really friends. Why would I help you? Um, they kind of banter a little bit. Iron Fist kind of grabs him and Sabretooth's like, all right, that was what I was waiting for. Open season. So they start brawling. Um, decent little brawl. Uh, kind of go back and forth. We see that Cho Shin can have the, um... Rat of Twelve Plagues, one of the other masters, and he's been eating some of the, the henchmen. Because <laughs> the Rat of Twelve Plagues cannot live on fish alone, right? Um, anyway, so Cho Sin's like, please don't do that. So we go back. I love, we don't really see it in the rest of the, oh yeah, we do right there on that panel too. So whatever Sabretooth's suit is wearing under his jacket, he kind of has the furry forearms, which I thought was a nice throwback. I thought that was cool. Um, so finally, you know, they kind of get to a, a part of the fight where they're both kind of, <gasps> and, uh, Dane's like, please just look at the picture. And Sabretooth looks and he's surprised, like, where'd you get this? He's like, security camera. Um, <laughs> he's like, they broke in, um, got past my Stark developed security, lasers, motion detectors, heat sensors, a dragon, on and on. Sabretooth's like, dragon? <laughs> Which I believe that is from... The uh, Kari Andrews story, right? Where he ended up with like a baby dragon and he's kind of been 
let it grow up so we can get it back to Kunlun. Because um, he's been trying to find a way to get back between the 10 years when it appears. That's kind of the journey he's been on. Um, anyway, we see this picture, a metal coil. And if you are a saber-tooth historian or an iron piss historian, you kind of know where this story's going, right? And uh, saber-tooth's like, um, no, he's dead. I went to his funeral. Um, but, but Danny's like, well, then what's this? So Saber-Tooth agrees to help, but not because he wants to help Iron Fist, because he wants to help his old friend and find out the truth about his old partner. Um, and he says, buy me another drink. <laughs> so we do see Cho Shin gets to New York, and he meets, of course, the man behind the coils, and that, of course, is the constrictor. So, if you remember from Sabretooth's second appearance, I think it was 63. Of Power Man and Iron Fist with the Jade Tiger. Um, you know, Sabretooth and Constrictor worked that job together. And that was kind of the beginning of their, I'm going to say partnership, because they don't stay together long. But, um, but anyway, and just kind of a working relationship, friendship. They apparently kept in touch over the years. Um, you know, Sabretooth went to his funeral, so we saw him, you know, another time there. Um Anyway, it's a nice nod to just kind of the beginnings of a lot of these characters. Um, you know, early history of Sabretooth, run-ins with Constrictor, working with Constrictor, fighting Iron Fist, and now Sabretooth's going to help Iron Fist track the Constrictor down, and it looks like they're going to be on opposite sides. The interesting thing to me is when they find the Constrictor and find him alive, and there's not some kind of like, oh, I was raised by the hand and I'm not the constrictor you knew. Like, he was really the constrictor somehow and Sabretooth's friend. Well, then what's Sabretooth going to do in that fight, right? Uh, you know, very interesting to see see what happens there. Um, just a really nice nod to, to all the characters' histories, kind of bringing it together, but in a story that still fits in with the current trajectory of the Iron Fist book and, you know, this... This Lushi thing, um, you know, trying to get back into Kanwun. It looks like they also are either looking for or looking for a translation of, of the book of the Iron Fist so they can try to find a way back without doing their tournament or waiting for the 10 years or whatever. And Danny's doing the same thing. So um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I thought the Mike Perkins art was really good. You know, it fits the book really well. It's pretty dark, but... And Sabretooth kind of had a, almost like a trolley look to him, but it still worked pretty well. Um, and I thought the story was interesting. So there's also this legacy backup by, um, oh, who's it by? Uh, Robbie Thompson, Mark Bagley, uh, John Dell did the inks with Rochelle Rosenberg, the colors, Travis Lanham, the letterer. Uh, a lot of these legacy books with the renumbering have these kind of three to four page tales. This one gives a history of Iron Fist. It includes a shot of his time on the New Avengers with, of course, Wolverine, uh, Logan Wolverine. And so, you know, this kind of talks about how he went solo. Uh, he teamed up with Heroes for Hire with Luke Cage. Then he was an Avenger for a while, and now he's a Defender. This kind of walks through it. The art's good. Um, some some of these backups it looks like they're like hey bag with those together but this one's not bad um and the story not really much of a story just kind of a you know brief brief history of, of iron fist but um anyway i give 
this book, Iron Fist number 73. I'm right on the fence between a four and a five clause. Um, it was just a very solid to read. You know, I wouldn't have minded seeing the constrictor kind of break into the place, but then we could have saved the reveal as the story went on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess kind of see what happens with the story with uh, how Choshin and Constrictor are going to work together, how it's all going to play out. But um, I'm enjoying this book. You know what? I'll give it five out of six claws. Why not? Why not? It's it's right there. Very, very strong four on the underside of a five. I'll go five. Um, and I think I even elaborated on uh, Andrew, you know, friend of the show, sometimes co-host, uh, asked a question about, you know, the relationship between Sabretooth and Constrictor, whether that had history or was kind of being introduced here. And so I hope I answered that question in even more detail than I had previously. <laughs> but also for everybody else, you know, if you don't know kind of that story, um, they're nice, entertaining issues. I don't know if they're in Marvel Unlimited or not, but if you get a chance to go find them or, or go back and find the old episodes where we talked about them, um, good times. So anyway, that's going to be the end of the episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, as usual, Twitter is at SnickCast. Like the Facebook page. Show notes and stuff are at snickcast.podbean.com. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked.